Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by David Woolman, and only David Woolman today. Devin Hassan, a little under the weather to begin the week, so yes, just a two-man show for today's episode. We are recording at, I believe, 11.54 a.m. on a Monday uh, on Columbus Day. So uh, yes, if anybody's got a, a long weekend that they're enjoying, hope you guys are uh, having a good time with that. So yes, we are um, Yeah, we're here to talk a little bit of high school football, as per usual on Monday. It's nice yep. little. Uh, nice little recap episode as we look back on the uh, the happenings from the prior week on the high school gridiron where um three weeks are in the books somehow some way um it's you know feel like we're walking on eggshells a little bit more than usual because it feels like more and more each week you're seeing you know a few more games just mm-hmm. continue to fall through the cracks and we had some high profile ones that uh, that did not get to take place on uh, on friday most notably at least within our coverage area uh prosper and DeSoto. this was a game that we talked about and previewed last week as part of our um you know, it was a game of the week candidate and whatnot, a game between two state-ranked teams that we were very much looking forward to. Mm-hmm. And then Allen Cedar Hill fell through the cracks as well. And that was a, a, a pretty big domino to fall with um – you know, in the case of uh, of Allen now, uh, you know Allen, you know top five team in the state, and now they um they will not play football until the end of the month. So they um October thirtieth. Right? Yes, there was a uh, so there was a bit of a, and obviously these are all you know related to COVID nineteen, um you know matters within the program. So word came down. This was a bit of a late one to materialize with Allen and Cedar Hill, um as far as that game getting canceled, and then um in addition Allen announced over the weekend that their game against Tyler Legacy, which was supposed to be this week, mm-hmm. that's getting uh, canceled as well. So, and then Allen has its bye week the following week during the first week of district play in 5-6A. So, yeah, Allen now is going to go three straight weeks without a game. So, um, And they're in rhythm right before this happened. They were. They were coming off a really, really emphatic performance against Atascacita, just firing on all cylinders, looking like the Allen of old. And, you know, you wonder now if there's any sort of momentum, you know, that you'll be, uh, I guess, any sort of rhythm and continuity that you've uh, that's lost now with going that long in between games. Um, definitely a fascinating development, obviously, given that this Allen team is one that figures to, you know, try to contend for a state championship and whatnot. Um, you know, with Prosper, I know they were very much looking forward to that game against DeSoto. It was a nice little measuring stick game coming off that big win against Euless Trinity. Mm-hmm. You know, but that game against DeSoto was a chance to really see what you could do against what was, you know, what's one of the uh, what's one of the better teams in the state. I believe DeSoto is ranked number six right now in Class yeah. 6A. So to not get that opportunity and then their game, the, um, you know, the following week against, I believe, against Arlington Lamar, that game got canceled as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, They'll also have to now go a little, with a uh, with a little bit of a break before getting to play. But um, so yeah, it just feels like every week you just you kind of talk about these games, and we want to believe that they're going to happen. We try to put some thought in, uh, into previewing them and whatnot. But at the same time, I think just it's in the back of everyone's mind. It like, could even happen like like the day bef- the night before the game. So we just even if we do a preview about it, we just don't know if it's going to happen. Well, that was the case with Prosper and Desoto. We had yeah. already recorded the episode yeah. and we outlined the preview and whatnot. And then I think it was that same day when I got home, um, you know, and then you get the uh, you know the word trickles down that I believe it was Matt Stepp with uh, with Dave Campbell's Texas Football who broke the news that their game with DeSoto was uh, was being
being canceled, and then Prosper ISD has to release its uh, its statement and whatnot. And yeah, it's uh, so yeah, it's who knows. But nevertheless, though, obviously there, there was still plenty that happened um, as far as games to cover on Friday, and we both got to see some uh, some stuff Thursday and Friday. So um, let's just we can just talk a little bit of just kind of reactions to what we saw, um, you know, for last week from in our coverage area. Sure. Um, you know, District Five Five A got underway last week, and there's obviously a lot more to Five Five A than just what happened on the football fields. We'll get to in a bit, but you got to see the colony in their district opener I against did. Denton. Um, you know, this was as far as the games that did get played last week in that district. You had the colony defeating Denton. It was thirty-one to seven. Thirty-one to seven. Yes. You had Wakeland all over Centennial, thirty-five to seven, and then Lone Star. They get their first win of the season in emphatic fashion, crushing Heritage seventy-three to twenty-one. What um? So, what were your impressions on the colony though, and what they showed against uh, against Denton? It's a team that's. That's still a little bit inexperienced. Um, they have 17 new starters on this team this okay. year. So, obviously, it's a big turnover from last year from the, the, the team that they lost that went to the playoffs. But, I mean, it's it's a team that, you know, it's you're, you're seeing every more more week that they're, you know, their continuity is coming a little bit longer together. Um, I was really impressed with their defense. Mm-hmm. Um, even, like, as a defense, like, you know, you can maybe get a – a little bit frustrated, you know, a little bit like, you know, deterred, especially if your offense isn't, you know, producing points. Because you went to the uh, Denton territory five times in the first half. You only came away with one touchdown. Wow. So, I mean, like, as a defense, like, you, you know, you should, like, you know, it should work back and forth. You know, it's like, you help me, I'll help you. But, you know, the, there's a, that's a team that remains steadfast. They're not going to give up. I think they understand, like, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a process to get everything together. Um, they, and they've got some thumpers on that team, man. Okay. Uh, Kyle, Kyle Taylor, who trained transfer back there yeah uh he, he's already he's almost at 40 tackles to three games already wow. and like he like he had some hard hits on that team uh they tackled very well um the coco brown like you know the sophomore standout running back that Denton had mm-hmm. uh uh he rushed for like you know like 100 i think it was like almost 180 yards the previous week and three mm-hmm. touchdowns uh they held him less to like less than 60 yards wow okay so they tackled very well they're very physical on defense um offensively like uh it, it took a while for things to get clicking but you know they finally got you know they had a field goal there in the third quarter that kind of really helped uh, helped out to finally you know get a little bit of momentum uh they were up 10 to 7 mm-hmm. and then they blew it out in the fourth quarter so um this is a team like uh like uh, coach rangel was telling me you know like they're not going to blow away from people like early but like i was really impressed what they did especially in the fourth quarter um even throughout the game they had some really good drives um they have a new uh, quarterback johnny Roberson. Mm-hmm. um like the throws that he makes it just looks so effortless at all like you know like a ball that's going towards the sideline sometimes i don't know if it's going to be overthrown but it's just right there like mm-hmm. you know he just it's a little flick of the wrist and it's right there uh, like I'm impressed with him. Um, they had another transfer, Keone Robinson. Um, he had like a big 60-yard, you know, catch and run there in the first half that that kind of helped lead to a touchdown right there. So this team, this team's got some good parts to it right there. I think as it, as it builds throughout the district schedule right there, this is a team that can uh, contend for another playoff spot. For me, um, let's see. For my game Friday, uh, David, I got some bad news for you, man. the The dream of 16 and 0 for Plano West is officially dead. Do we have any tissues? <laughs> <laughs> it was um, so they uh, yeah Plano West after a two and zero start their first two and zero start since I believe it was two thousand fifteen was the was mm-hmm. the stat they um they uh, they met head first with uh, with Little Elm a team making its debut in Class Six A my first chance to get to see Little Elm yeah. I think ever I'd never covered a Little Little Elm game up until uh, last Friday this was a um you know a lot was made of the uh, the defensive effort that Plano West had showed early in the year you know you shut out Wiley twenty eight nothing they uh, they beat North Mesquite twenty eight to 
fourteen. Meanwhile, Little Elm they also had a shutout on their record um, against to start LD the Bell, yeah. against LD Bell. It was what thirty-seven to nothing. Mm-hmm. They um, it, the defense, especially. I mean, listen, what happened against uh, North Forney? It's that's going to happen to a lot of teams. They just got down pretty big early on and just couldn't dig themselves out of a hole against uh, against North Forney. Heck, happened to Frisco Lone Star. <laughs> Look what happened to yeah, them. Yeah. Um, you know, but nevertheless, though, it was much more of a return to the norm from what Little Elm expects out of itself against Plano West. This was a twenty-three to nine game. Not a traditional football score in any respect. Twenty-three to nine. The um, the big turning point, man. I was thinking. So it was the week prior against Prosper um, when they beat Ulysses Trinity that I came onto the podcast talking about Mason Jolly and the moment that the moments that he had there in the third quarter where he made he made significant plays on defense, special teams, and offense all within like a, a couple minutes of of, uh, of one another. And um, just thinking, I'd never seen a player manage to like impact all three phases in such a short amount of time like that. But you saw the same thing out of Little Elm as a team um, against Plano West. So to start the uh, the second half, you know, Little Elm goes three and out on its first series. So, you know, not great. But um, they're able to get a, uh, a heck of a punt, and they pin Plano West inside the five-yard line. On Plano West's first offensive snap, there's a little bit of a miscommunication and the handoff and whatnot, but results in a fumble. That Little Elm proceeds to uh, not pounce on. West gets the ball, but the and ball's the fumbled zone. into the end zone, so and the result safety. is a safety. So, at the time, it was nine to seven Plano West. Now it is nine to nine uh, tie game, and then Little Elm gets the ball back. Very first play of Little Elm's offensive series, they chuck it deep. A, uh, I want to say it was a sixty-four yard touchdown from John Matier to Dylan Evans. Uh, Plano West DB took a bit of a questionable angle on it. Uh, basically, tried to jump it, just uh, did not time it right, and it was um, it was a. Fairly easy touchdown after the catch for uh, for Dylan Evans, but yes, just like that, sixteen to nine in favor of Little Elm, and it just felt like with just in one fell swoop there. That sequence itself took about twenty seconds of game time. So again, key you know key moments in all three phases for Little Elm they benefit from, and uh, yeah, that was just kind of the the backbreaker. West just could not get on track from there. Little Elm was able to get another uh, another touchdown later on. This one from John Matier, the quarterback, had some really really timely scrambles. Third and eleven. Yeah, he converted the third and eleven with a 13-yard run and then later ran in a 14-yard touchdown. So uh, some impressive resolve for Little Elm after only being able to muster a um, just one uh, one touchdown in the first half. It was uh, John Matier to Vashon Thomas the second. Mm-hmm. Another you know, 33-yard touchdown that he dropped right over double-triple coverage, a really, really nice ball and, uh, and touchdown for uh, Matier and Thomas. With Plano West, we can get to them in a bit because I do want to talk a little bit more in-depth about District 66A with that district now being in its bye week collectively before district play starts next week for them. Um, there was one other game, though, on the radar, and we actually did talk a little bit about this one on uh, on Thursday's podcast. Memorial and Lebanon Trail. Did you see the score for this one, David? It was a one-point game, I think it was. It was 34-33 to 33 in favor of Lebanon Trail. This is a game that I kind of think of like at the, uh, you know, for game of the week at the very start of the year when we were talking Plano and McKinney, and I said that this game, like in recent years, had really kind of ramped up a notch in terms of just the competitiveness and the stakes and just the general entertainment value. You just mm-hmm. between these two schools, and you're kind of seeing a similar thing with Memorial and Lebanon Trail. And I mm-hmm. think there's already like these schools are already going to be kind of joined at the hip because they're both fairly upstart programs. They yep. both began playing varsity athletics at the same exact time um, back in I believe 2018 was their first uh, their first season, um, whatnot. So there's already that built-in rivalry nature there. And then you've seen all three meetings between these schools have been decided by five points or less. Yeah. It was 45 to 40 in 2018. It was 37 to 35 last year and then Friday 34 to 33 in favor of uh, Lebanon Trail and this 
one went right down to the wire, as that score would seem to indicate. It was a, a game-winning touchdown with uh, 42 seconds left by Gregory Hatley of Lebanon Trail that put them up by one point. They had overcome big deficit, too. This was one they got down big early. They were down 28-15 to 15 at the half. Um, I mean, Fourteen to nothing after the first quarter. Yeah, I mean it was a big start for um, for Memorial. they uh, you know they used two quarterbacks in this one: Ethan Lawler, Charlie Flowers. They each had two passing touchdowns apiece. Zion Steptoe had a monster receiving game for the Warriors as well. Yep. Um, you know with Lebanon Trailer, they chip away. They got a strong quarterback of their own in Drew Martin. He mm-hmm. had four total touchdowns in this game. He also rushed for ninety yards in that game too. Yes, he was their leading rusher in addition to being their leading passer. We talked about this game last week being a potential like it's early on in the in the district schedule, so you don't want say that anything is too definitive right now because obviously things can change especially given the current climate of things of course but this is a game though just for tiebreaker purposes later on like again if we look at this district and we foresee teams like memorial lebanon trail kind of being on that bubble as far as a potential uh, fourth seed for the playoffs i mean these are the kinds of games that loom large so for um you know mm-hmm. for lebanon trail's sake it's uh, it's pretty nice to get a, a head-to-head win over a team that you could eventually be competing for um you know for a playoff spot with absolutely uh, but yeah just these two teams can Continue to bring the fire, man. Next year's going to go to five overtimes. Yeah, of all the of all the compelling matchups in Frisco ISD, you know, we talked about you know Lone Star and Independence and Frisco and Independence and all that. But I mean, just consistently year in year out, Memorial Lebanon Trail just might be pound for pound the most entertaining of the uh, of the lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, big win for the Trailblazers as they started one and zero in district play. Um, but as far as just news in general, Frisco ISD, um, one of the big stories though came. Off the uh, off the gridiron. So for those who didn't see, there was um, there was a story that came down late in the week as far as five five a division one and basically how they're going to handle the prospect of games that get that uh, that get canceled due to COVID nineteen. And this is where um, you know the UIL's policy. There was no hard fast rule um, from the UIL on how to handle games that get canceled due to the pandemic. It's basically left up to the hands of the individual district executive committees. And the uh, what happened in five five a division one is kind of an example of the uh, the potential chaos or confusion that something like that can create. So we, you know, news came down. It's basically it's a two day story. So there were meetings, I guess, Thursday and Friday. And so for those who have not heard, Denton Ryan, Denton Ryan, the number one ranked team in uh, in Class Five A Division One, not in our coverage area, but they're part of that district. So obviously, you know, it's certainly worth mentioning. They will have to forfeit the first two games of their uh, of their district schedule. They had to shut things down for a bit due to a COVID nineteen related matters within the program. Mm-hmm. And there's the there's the question as far as what that means though with regards to the standings, whether it's going to be a, a, a no contest or a forfeit. Those mean two separate things. Um, you know, so basically the it sounds like something was lost in translation in this process because, you know, to read the reporting, you know, from the Morning News Dent Record Chronicle on this, basically that it sounds like Denton ISD was under the idea that it was going to be one thing and then the following day a completely different mm-hmm. result was uh, was kind of thrown in their face. So they were under the impression that those lo- that those uh, cancellations, which they had to cancel their games against Reedy and Denton High, I believe. That's correct. But those are both going to go down as no contest. So it wouldn't be a win. It wouldn't be a loss. It would be no penalty. What It's just be a game that didn't happen. Yeah. Um, and that, I guess, was the impression that the Denton ISD folks were left with on Thursday. Well, then Friday gets around, and they actually vote on this. And... 
Apparently, it was voted then by the district. The majority rules, and I guess it sounds like this was one thing that was kind of uh, it was kind of initiated by Frisco ISD. Mm-hmm. But the district, the majority voted that it's actually no, it's not going to be a, a no contest. These are going to be forfeits, so they actually do count as losses. The loss is not just um, in the sense of you know you move to zero and one, but you also lose that game by the seventeen point maximum tiebreaker or for point differential allotted in the uh, in the district. So um, yeah, it sounds like Denton ISD was a little blindsided by this. Shocked. And, um, and yep. so, yeah, I mean, what did, uh, what, I mean, what was your kind of your initial reaction to this? Just because, I mean, yeah, it gets, it's obviously, again, it's each district's going to have its own unique take on how to handle the cancellations. But again, something sounds like something was lost in translation because Denton clearly did not think that it was going to be headed in this direction. It was uh, very shocking. Um, it, it just, with the way this whole, like the UIL was just kind of set up this whole season, mm-hmm. like, like with leaving the decision up to each district right there, like there's, there's gotta be communication lines from the beginning right there. Mm-hmm. Just to, just to have like a specific policy to, that covers every single little thing that's going to happen. And whether, especially with the forfeits and, and like the, the cancellations and stuff like that. So it seemed like that the, these, these school districts weren't on the same page at all. Mm-hmm. Um, like this school district thought this thing, this school district think that thinking the other thing, like there's like no transparency from the beginning at all. So I think like, if I was like Denton, like you know, you're kind of hoping that Frisco ISD would kind of you know talk with you about this from about this from the beginning, right there. Whenever mm-hmm. you found out about the COVID cases, so you can decide on something right there and then. Yeah. But to kind of find that out a day later, like that the Frisco schools are mad, and now you're meeting the next day and found out that those are going to result in a, in a forfeits right there. Mm-hmm. That's just that just leaves everybody blindsided. It's um, so in the case of Ryan, you know, it's uh, technically it does snap their uh, their 52 game uh, regular. regular season winning streak. Yeah. And so they forfeit games versus Reedy and Denton. Um, so yeah, technically they have an 0 and 2 starting district now. They're going to crawl out of that, no problem. I don't think that. And again, assuming they're able to again yeah. walk the uh, you know walk the uh, the straight and narrow, and this is the last that they have to deal with regards to the pandemic and whatnot. Because um, yeah, I imagine they're probably going to be playing with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder for the rest of the uh, of the district schedule, particularly yeah. when up against a, uh, one of these Frisco schools. Um, but yeah. yeah, it's so technically yes, an 0 to start, but also, I mean, again, it's, it's not just them that it's impacting. Cause again, if this is the, the, the rule within the district that all cancellations result in forfeits, mm-hmm. you've already seen now another game within Frisco ISD fall through the cracks with Lone Star and independence, which was a highly anticipated game between two teams that you figure is going to finish in the top three in the district. For sure. Well, that game was, um, was supposed to be this week that's getting canceled. And then independence had to make the decision to, uh, to cancel that game, so Independence has to forfeit, and then they are uh, they're zero and one. Uh, Lone Star gets the uh, gets the win there, so we'll see. Because I mean, listen, it's it's so early in the season that it would be you know pretty foolish to just assume that this is the last time that any of these schools will have to cross that bridge. No. So um, I mean, yeah, we'll see. But already a notable kind of a just again mixed messages being sent within the district. But yes, um, you know, nevertheless though, any games that are canceled within five five a Division one going forward will result in forfeits. Yes. Um, you've already seen it impact some of the teams at the very tippy top tier of that uh, of that district. Um, let's see. Let's talk a little bit of six six a. Let's do this. This is a district that, um, you know, we have all eight schools in the district are in our coverage area, so naturally we've got a lot of eyeballs on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a district that are just talking throughout the offseason, I think we fancied this one being a very, very competitive district, a mm-hmm. lot of parity top to bottom sure. with, you know, you take out the Irving schools, you throw in those three Plano schools, and you yeah. expect the competitive uh, pedigree of that district to uh, escalate a bit. So these teams all have at least two games in the books. I believe it was Plano and Hebron were the only ones that did not get to play their full three-game non-district schedule. 
Um, but they are in their bye week now. They all have a bye week at the same exact time, so they're mm-hmm. getting a chance to recharge the batteries before things get going for real next week and we start district play. Um, I just kind of want to just kind of survey these eight teams right now and just kind of how we're feeling about them before things get going for real. Mm-hmm. Has your um has your thought process on this district through these first three weeks has anything has anything made a change or whatever? Have any teams maybe exceeded your expectations or has just your the way that you foresaw this district panning out has anything happened early on that would impact that? I would say definitely Louisville has exceeded my expectations so far. Okay. Um, well, you know we knew the 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 starters that they had coming back on offense with with Taylor Green and Armani Winfield and Damian Martinez, who is offensive newcomer this year, but yeah. to put up uh, 52, 48, and fifty one points to the like through the first three games right there. That's pretty big. That's pretty big. So whenever that team and uh, Marcus gets together, expect a lot of points. Yeah, I think with, um, you know, I had uh, entered the year kind of looking at Louisville and Marcus as potentially being the top two in the uh, in the district. Mm-hmm. Um, with Marcus, they've essentially, they've played to their paper so far. They're 3-0. and They've looked fairly convincing in all three games. The offense has been just um, outstanding. You know, 416 yards per game, top 10 in the area. Yep. You know, 41.3 points per game. Garrett Nussmeyer, their stud quarterback, the reigning district MVP, he has 910 passing yards and 12 touchdowns. The big thing with them is going to be just monitoring what happens with the run game. That was one of the biggest question marks coming into the season with the graduation of Tyson Edwards, who sure. just went so much in that in that capacity last season. It's been a little up and down. You know, if you look at their, you know, their first couple games with Jesuit and McKinney, and then they finally figured out a little something against Keller Central. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was Gabe Espinosa and Walker Wells. They combined for 163 yards and two touchdowns on just 18 carries. Um, so some efficiency to that run game as well, sure. but um, but that's going to kind of be the area to monitor with this Marcus team. You know that they can throw the ball. Nussmeyer is one of the top quarterbacks in the state. They've got a lot of depth at receiver, not just with Cal Commit, J. Michael Sturdivant, but Dallas Dudley, Tyler Schott. They've got a lot of talent there on the outside. It's going to mm-hmm. be a question of, though, what happens, and you have to kind of run a little bit of clock and whatnot. Can you successfully do that on the ground against some of these defenses in uh, in 6-6-A? And with Louisville, I mean, like you just said, the offense has been as advertised. We kind of you know had a sense going in that that uh, just given the continuity on that side of the ball, that there there could be big things in store, and they've I mean it's lived up to the uh, to the expectation so far. Mm-hmm. They're technically I mean they're statistically that's been the best offense in the district, almost 600 yards per game. Insanity, over 50 points per game. Martinez is the leading rusher in the entire Metroplex among 6A programs, 599 yards and already 12 touchdowns. Had to stray from the five touchdown per game average that he was on heading into last week, but still, oh, it's just, 50 touchdowns on his case on just, his radar. This year. Ridiculous numbers being put up by the uh, by the junior running back with the farmers. So I don't know who's. I mean, again, I would say maybe on balance. You know, I picked. I would pick Marcus coming into the season as my potential favorite to win the district title. Louisville, though, man, just the ceiling of that offense though is enough to put a scare into anybody in that district. They can score with anybody, Marcus included. They did last year. So I'm anxious to see yeah, that game, November 27th, between those two. What happens there? As far as any teams that could potentially shake up that mix. Now, Capel's been a nice story so far. Mm-hmm. This is a team that. You know, you uh, you talked about heading into the season, just kind of uh, hoping for much more continuity after just everything, after having so many young players and so many injuries last season. But man, the impact that KJ Liggins has had has just been such a game changer. We've talked about it in recent weeks on the podcast, but he's actually the leading receiver in the area, I believe, just by one yard. Um, but he has had it's been it's been a revelation just what he's done to that passing offense. It's just a it's just pick your poison with him on one side, Anthony Black on the other. And even though they lost last week to Highland Park, it sounds like that was still ultimately wound up in the end being a pretty spirited affair. 
it it came down to a, a fourth down uh, play by Highland Park mm-hmm. with uh, about a, less than a minute left. A fourth down, I think it one one. I think the play was and and Dylan Traeger, who's uh, committed to Hawaii, mm-hmm. uh, got the first down right there. If Capel would have got that stop right there, turnover and downs, who knows? They could have gone back and you know got a touchdown, knowing that offense right there with that mm-hmm. limited amount of time. Um, Walker's already thrown for over three hundred yards and five touchdowns. So just imagine what he can do with like yeah. even forty five seconds left in the game. Mm-hmm. Capel's been really solid though. They had good, the weird stat about Capel. I was thinking so they played Mesquite, then they played Saxon, and then they played Highland Park. Sure. All three of those teams were playing their first game of the season. We're just, I don't know, just random, random fun fact with Capel. And, you know, if we, uh, I don't know to what extent you, uh, you know, you look at what, what can happen when you're playing a team that maybe is, again, trying a lot of stuff out for the very first time on, mm-hmm. a, uh, on a Friday night this season versus a team that has a bit more under its belt like, uh, like Capel does. But they've looked a part of a team that could be in for a bounce back here in the, uh, in the district. Um, so I kind of like where they're headed. With Hebron, I got to see them Thursday um, in our game of the week against Northwest Eaton. This um, was not a terribly competitive game. Hebron wins this thing going away 31-7. to Big night for their defense. Just turnovers just left and right, especially in the second half as they, as they kind of blew this one open. With Hebron, as far as looking at it, it was impressive just because they're so banged up right now. They're missing so many guys. They still have not. They're, they're, they're projected starting quarterback, Weston Conaway. He's been out. He had a, um, he had a, a cast on his wrist at the, uh, at the game on Thursday. They haven't had their leading receiver from last season, Nick Frazier. He's got a collarbone injury. They're missing some of their big guys up front. Uh, Wesley Douglas, their tight end. Luciano Sweet, an offensive lineman. They didn't play against them. Eaton, and then one of their standout defensive backs, Mason Williamson, did not play as well. So, in a sense, it's kind of tough to gauge what Hebron is right now. You know, they had a game against Denton Geyer that you know went as as most games will against Geyer. That run game was just a little bit too much. They lost that one, fifty six thirty three. You know, and then they had, they had their second game against Arlington Martin canceled due to the pandemic. So they had a you know a bit of a break before that game against Eaton. But they uh, they showed really really well. The defense did not give any quarter. You know, we talked about the job that Eaton did control the clock against Mansfield Legacy, running 84 plays to 30-something for for Legacy. Hebron did not give them a chance to get anything established. So really strong stuff by Hebron. I just, I mean, the depth and pedigree of that program, um, one of the things with the pandemic was they had to start basically practicing more kids on both sides of the ball mm-hmm. just so if in the case that they run into something like this again, they'll be more, you know, better uh, better prepared for it. It's just one of the changes that teams are having to make just given the, uh, you know, the current climate and whatnot. But I don't know. I think they're going to work into the mix some fashion. I don't know if it's a playoff team or whatnot, but um, I mean, it's going to depend on just when we actually get to see this team at full strength. Who knows when that's going to be? Um, there's a big game coming up October uh, October 30th between them and Flower Mound in a game that could very well be a, uh, a potential playoff eliminator. Um, Flower Mound, a team that's had to take on a bit of a different identity this year for years. It's always just been offense, offense, offense. Defense this year. They're, yeah, they're getting it done on defense. You know, they uh, they were able to win their opener against McKinney Boyd ten to seven, which is like the furthest thing from a Flower Mound football score that there is. Um, and then, even though they lost last week um, against uh, Mansfield Timberview, that's a state ranked team. That's number seven in five A Division two, and they actually gave them a game. I mean, this was just an eighteen to thirteen loss. So to hold that team to just eighteen points, you know, they held Boyd's offense just to a touchdown. I mean, they've actually no, I take it back. That was a uh, 
trying to remember. I think it was, it was a defensive touchdown that uh, that Boyd had in that game. It's, it was a while back. A lot of these games are just running together. Either way, bottom line is, Flamont's defense has been outstanding. And it yeah. all starts up front. Stone Eby, SMU commit, and Colton Vatney, who actually got in on the mix on offense against Timberview. He had a rushing touchdown, one of their uh, their stud defensive tackles. Um, so there's a lot of, yeah, they're, they're having to get it done in a much different fashion. It's a younger offense with a new quarterback, Nick Evers. Really promising prospect. He's got some Division One offers already on the table. Um, you know, Parker Clark, standout receiver for them as well. He's got a big role as well. So it's a team that's, again, going to be a bit of a work in progress on that side of the ball. But, you know, so far it's they're having to get it done in a bit of a different fashion. But they look like a team that's going to be on that radar as well. Promise is that only four teams from the district are going to make the playoffs. I so know. you're going to have a you're going to have a good team that likely gets left out, which mm-hmm. is kind of what you assume with this district mm-hmm. um, in recent years. And then there's Plano ISD. What to make of old Plano ISD so far? Because it's um, you know, there was a lot of talk about off. Oh, they're they're out from underneath the uh, the Allen shadow. They're free from that, and they don't have to you know worry about that big old boogeyman on their schedule anymore. Um, so what to make of Plano ISD so far? Um, Plano West is two and one. Plano East is zero and three. Plano is zero and two. Um, and it's they've all played varying levels of competition, so it's tough to really kind of make heads or tails as to what those records mean when compared to uh, you know up against each other. Um, I think maybe so far, if I had to pick a team that was maybe a bit further ahead of those three, maybe Plano East. They showed a little something last week against Jesuits, so I hate to use the whole recency bias thing, but um, but nevertheless, though they uh, they they were right there on the on the doorstep of potentially upsetting a Jesuit team that projects as a uh, as a district title contender. Um, they were able to, uh, I mean, they they were down you know twenty three to fourteen at the half, and then some. I mean, these are two teams that have put up a lot of points in recent years. Mm-hmm. I believe it was just a field goal by Plano East was the only point scored in the second half, and they were actually able to get the ball in the red zone in the closing seconds of this game. Ultimately, though, they turned it over on downs. Mm-hmm. But um, a spirited effort by Plano East. Um, if we're just talking maybe the uh, the best offensive football player in PISD so far, there was a kid um, with Plano East at the start of the year that head coach Joey McCullough was really, really high on. Said he's one of the best athletes that he's ever coached. And we think of Joey McCullough and the, some of the kids that have rolled through that Plano East program, Anthony Hines, Tyler Owens, Trey Jones-Scott. And then you think back to his time at Plano West with Jackson Jeff coat and all the talent that program had, you know, once a, uh, you know, once upon a time, the praise that he heaped on Ishmael Mahdi, a junior, um, just a, uh, sounds like just an absolute Swiss army knife of an offensive talent. And he's been, at least in the games against Allen and Jesuit, he's been just an absolute force in the run game and the receiving game. McCullough said he could even play a little quarterback as well at some point. Well, what have we got numbers for him so far? He, um, in last week's game against Jesuit, he had 195 rushing yards. He had 67 receiving yards and two touchdowns. It's again, it's, it kind of reminds me of what they had last year with Trey Jones, Scott, and that Jones Scott finished the year as their leading rusher and their leading receiver. So it's just going to be about finding ways. You just don't want, you don't want him to, to wear down. Cause it's, I mean, the grind is, it's only going to get tougher from here. This mm-hmm. is, I mean, they're about to run into some really, really talented football teams, and they're going to require, it's going to be a, a battle of attrition of sorts, and you're just going to have to find other ways to just generate offense. Now, they do have a quarterback, Dylan Hayden, who's in his second year in that system. He is also a threat with his legs as well. I mean, he's had a 100-yard rushing game already this season, too, so he can hit you both ways. They've just got to find ways, though, to get other guys, just to find ways to generate offense beyond those two, because mm-hmm. it's just, you know, it's, it's still so early in the season, and you've got a lot of really, really important 
football games left. But I don't know what they showed against Jesuit. They they were in in the game for a half with Lake Highlands. So I and mean, Lake Highlands is probably going to finish ten and zero in the regular season. Lake Highlands is a really good team, as Plano found out last week, um, as uh, as well. So I don't know. It's it's tough to say right now. But I don't know. Plano East, like what they showed against a Jesuit team that could contend for a district championship mm-hmm. over in that district. Yeah. Um, they might be a little bit further in front with Plano West, who I got to see finally uh, up close and in person. Um, with West, they um, they basically had to think outside their comfort zone in that game against Little Elm. Through the first two weeks, um, their their mo was just been to run the ball. Tabor Yates, Tabor Yates, Tabor Yates. He's been you know outstanding. He went over 100 yards in their first two games of the season. Um, Little Elm was ready for that though, and they they bottled that aspect up. And you know Plano West for the first time all season they had to throw the ball a bit more. They attempted 34 passes in this game after a total of I believe 17 passes attempted in the first uh, in the first two games. So um, definitely having to think outside your comfort zone, but at the same time, like that's part of what you're going to need to do in this district because there's going to be times, you know, when you're having to play a bit of catch up there. So you have to know that you can at least develop that aspect of your offense to where it's not going to feel uncomfortable when you have to, you know, let Greg draw and go out there and throw the ball around a bit. And it was fine in that capacity. They showed some good stuff in the passing game, but again, they just had a really tough time just stringing together just enough consistent, uh, consistent sustained drives against. Say that five times fast. I can't. I'm already, running, I'm already running out of gas. Um, so yeah, with Plano West, I, uh, I'm I'm just kind of curious to see again. I with Wiley and North Mesquite, not those two teams, maybe what they're at, where they're at right now, not necessarily the caliber of opponent mm-hmm. that you're going to see in the coming weeks with the Louisvilles and the Marcuses and the Capels and whatnot. Yeah, but they're at least in a good pro- good spot with the program as far as showing just some tangential growth. And mm-hmm. the big thing is for them, you look back at their district campaign last season, like they were. In several games, even though they only won one game on the season, that uh, that come from behind victory against Plano East, they still put a scare into Plano, and they still put a scare into McKinney. But those games got away from them in the fourth quarter, just due to kind of just mental miscues, executional lapses, and whatnot. So if they can just clean out clean up that uh, that part and whatnot, so maybe they're able to make a little bit of noise because the, the defense has certainly showed early on that there's there's promise there. The coach Suckup's got them headed in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. I just remember this is a team that lost how many games in a row before the thirty four. So to have that. To just see the little things, you know, just to show like, you know, hey, we're, you know, like these are the baby steps that we're taking to get in the right direction. It might take maybe like another two, one or two years to kind of, mm-hmm. you know, for all the pieces to come together, for the system to come together, for everybody to kind of start believing in our program to gain some confidence. You know, it's definitely heading in the right direction. There's definitely a different vibe around that, yeah. around that, uh, that program than there has been in recent years. So you at least like to see that. Yeah. Um, and then there's Plano, which it stinks that Plano was only able to play two non-district games. Just I think when you mm-hmm. it's a brand new system, brand new head coach, brand new everything at Plano. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that the more reps you get on the field, it's just it's all the more important for programs in that situation. So it does stink that they had their second game against Rylett get canceled. Yeah, um, they've essentially played the same game twice. It's basically Star Groundhog slow. Day over there with uh, with Plano Wildcats. Um, you know there was that incredible game against McKinney, which we talked about a ton. Obviously after the fact, and it was our game of the week and lived up to the billing, you know, Plano erases a a 21-point deficit, and then McKinney has the crazy kickoff return for the touchdown and the ensuing two-point conversion. They win 36-35, so you're just kind of left wondering, okay, well, which Plano team is it? You know, is it the team that got down big early on, or is it the one that just could not be stopped in the second half? And you see then against Lake Highlands, a team that, you know, certainly has developed a bit of a 
a bit of a good thing within, the, uh, within itself. That's mm-hmm. a program that is certainly confident in its identity and they know what they're about. Mm-hmm. And that's a team that could be, like you said earlier, that could be looking at a 10-0 and regular season. Um, and they just took it to Plano. This wasn't even a contest. So it was kind of similar to the McKinney game in the sense that they got down really big early on. I believe it was 42-14 to 14 at the half. Yeah, and, and they already had like over 400 yards of offense during that time too. And actually Plano, I think they trailed only 14 to 10 in that game. Okay. Uh, I was kind of reading through the, the play-by-play after uh, Talon Hines had a one-yard touchdown. But then Lake Collins just got the momentum back. They did what they did with all that experience out there. Mitch Colson, their quarter, dual-threat quarterback, he already has nine rushing touchdowns through three games. Not just not passing touchdowns, mm-hmm. rushing touchdowns for a quarterback. He, I mean, he, the running back, Noel Whitehead, just yeah. nobody's had, it was Poteet, Plano East, and Plano are their, uh, was their non-district schedule, and no team mustered a response. I believe in all three games, Colson and Whitehead had over 100 yards rushing. That's wild. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Plano had a really, really tough go. I believe 42-24 to 24 was the final there. So, Plano's 0-2, and again, you just, you kind of have to figure out now, it happened once, you know, now it happens twice, these slow starts. So, yeah. I mean, it's just, you, can, you can't afford to fall behind, especially. Good habits. Especially against the caliber of offenses they're going to see in that district with yeah. Marcus, Lewis, Phil Capel, and whatnot. Even mm-hmm. Plano East. Plano East offense is number nine in the area right now. I'm not sure I would have expected that coming into the season. 410 yards per game. Um, against those three teams that they face so far? Yeah. I mean, they had Allen on the freaking schedule. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, with Plano, it's, again, I just i am not really sure what this team is. And, again, they only have two, two, uh, you know, two games under their belt, so that stinks. Um, but... They just got to figure out what's happening early on in these games that put it, that's putting them behind the eight ball. Because as you're seeing, I mean, heck, there's a lot of people watching this that are Dallas Cowboy fans. You realize what a plight it is when you put your team down at a, at a deficit continuously week in, week out early mm-hmm. on in these games. So, yeah, they've just they've got to get things corrected early on as far as just their uh, just the focus and attention to detail as far as executing early on in these games. So let's see. Uh, I don't know. That is that's about all I had for this district. Again, my my overall take on it probably hasn't changed a ton from where I was at in the preseason. I still like Marcus and Louisville as the two best. I think Capel's better than I expected him to be because I guess I just didn't realize just how much of a game changer Liggins would be to the mix. So I think that team's probably a little bit higher than I otherwise would have had him. Um Need to see Hebron get healthy before kind of making a judgment on where they're at. Mm-hmm. I think them and Flowermount are probably the uh, you know at least right now at least the uh, you know the two uh, the top two candidates for um, you know that last playoff spot. So that means right now we could be right back in the same spot that we were last year with Plano ISD. We'll see. Um, you know, as for uh, for the sake of extending my coverage a little bit, you know, during the postseason. Hope I'm wrong. I mean, I like to cover high school football as long as I can. So hopefully Plano can get a team in the playoffs. But it's been, um, you know, it's a bit of a, a bit of an up and down start for PISD on the whole. So we'll see what that all means. They uh, they get started in district play next week. We'll uh, we'll see what happens. Anything could happen. Should be fun. Um, so yes, that'll wrap it up for this episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. We'll be back on Thursday to break down our game of the week and some other marquee games on the coverage docket. A bit of a lighter week. We've got a lot of of, uh, districts that are on by this week. um, But nevertheless, we will see what is in store later on in the week. So until then, folks, you take care, and we will talk to you all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area.
But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.